You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review's senior editor, Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. We're jazzed to be back with you on Wednesday, April 19th. I know I took a couple days off and a lot of you inquired about me. Hey, are you still alive? I see you right every day. I don't see you writing. Well, yeah, you know, I decided to take some time with the family. Passover, I know many of you have taken off for Easter as well. And, you know, this has really been the first downtime since, I don't know, I was going to say January, but then November. And then even before then, you had the whole election season. Um, this has really been the first vacation time where Congress is out. The news cycle is a little slower. Um, and I could just have a life. So I, I enjoyed the time with my family and actually got to know my kids a little bit better. Um, but it's going to be pedaled to the metal until Memorial Day or so once Congress gets back next week. You know, last night, and you know, as of this recording, last night means Tuesday night. We had this special election in Georgia's 6th District, right outside of Atlanta, Atlanta suburbs, quintessential suburban area that's, you know, has some rural areas in it too. So it's enough of a lean Republican district. Um, but, you know, Trump didn't do that well there, relatively got kept Hillary to 46%. Usually Republicans do a little better than that. Democrats get less. But these are some of the su- suburbs that, that, that Trump lost. And, you know, last night they had this special election to fill Tom Price's seat. Tom Price went over to HHS to become a secretary and promote Obamacare there while saying he opposes Obamacare. And uh, what happened there was, in my mind, it's not it's not a stunner. You know, he didn't win. The Democrat didn't pull off an upset despite all the money they put in, but he did get 48 percent. Got did even better than Hillary, who did very well in the district. She got forty six percent, and th- there's a lot to there's a lot to say about it. Some of you going to hear me today on Steve Dace, my comments about it. But what this portends is what I've been seeing long before these special elections, where the Democrats seem to be overperforming, and that's conservatives are headed towards a nightmare scenario. This entire binary choice between phony Republicans and and Democrats, conservatives being trapped as a conservative soul in a, in a Republican shell, a Republican body. We have all of the policy vices, or political vices, I shall say, of having control of all the branches of government. But we're getting none of the policy virtues, none of the advantages, none of the benefits. This is almost like skipping the first six years of Bush and never getting any of the benefits and going straight to Bush 2006 instead of, um, you know, Bush 2001 or so. You know, remember, the Bush presidency wasn't a complete disaster. We did 
you know, we did get the tax cuts. We had some benefits during the first term. And, you know, he wasn't hated right away. We we succeeded in the 2002 midterms. He was reelected in 04. It wasn't until the 2006 elections when, you know, his second term was a complete dud. Because, again, what, what, why, why am I comparing this to Bush's second term? Because what happened, Bush was hated. And for different reasons, you know, personality-wise, it was a little obviously different and I think, you know, as a person, he was more defensible. But we 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 elicited all the blowback from Bush, the hatred, you know, because that's the way we are in politics now. We hate each other, even though both sides pretty much agree fundamentally on all the, all the issues, the, the two phony parties. This is where we are. Um, and. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean. We got nothing for it. We got no policy advantages out of the second term. So you had an energized Democrat base and a languishing Republican base because you're kind of caught in an awkward position where on the one hand, you have all the power. So what are you complaining about? You got the power. But on the other hand, you're not getting anything done. So your base isn't energized. You know, the people in the middle are like, hey, this is this is you know just feel general period of melees. And the, and the left is very energized. We're having that right now, just a couple months into this presidency. Now, you might tell me, well, didn't Obama face this a couple months into his presidency when, you know, some of these kind of special elections and, um, you know, the growth of the Tea Party in April 2009? True. But there's one big difference. Obama was accomplishing world's worth of stuff on every policy issue for the left, both executively, both legislatively. You know, as we noted before, they, they, they were doing health care, stimulus, TARP, the bailouts, cash for clunkers, um, and just all the sundry things he did executively to, to, to make a difference. Um, this is where we are. This is where we are now. Um, it's, it's, it's very scary. That we are now getting nothing out of it. But we're getting all the blowback. And this is where we're caught in these awkward special elections where what what narrative do Republicans have to run on? And by the way, every one of these Republicans are pathetic. I mean, Karen Handel, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So now we're going to have this whole big you know runoff election for June based on a, a Paul Ryan Republican. You know, we, we had this big expose where we had Republicans coming out, almost all of them. In support of Obamacare. So you would think that while we have that ongoing and we have legislative um, congressional elections, we would litigate this in, in this candidate selection process for Republicans. Hey, are you with the Freedom Caucus or are you with Ryan and Trump for that matter? But no. By default, the Republican with the most name ID always wins, and that's the Republican who's bad. 99 out of 100 times. So that's the thing. I mean, you saw this in the Kansas special election for Pompeo seat, very strong Republican seat. I forgot the Democrat got what, 46% there, 45%? Um, maybe it was 47 even. Uh, you know, this is a problem where the Democrat basis jazz. I'm not saying this means they're going to win back the House for sure, but it shouldn't even be in play. There shouldn't be enough districts for them to win. And what this tells you is that they could definitely make a run at it. And what are we getting? What are we getting? 
He's keeping Obama's executive amnesty. He's keeping Obamacare, but selling a garbage bill as repeal. Um, you know, by the way, he's keeping the legal Obamacare subsidies I want to get to in a minute if we have time. And then today we have the big news out where he's keeping the Iran deal. He's certifying that they're in compliance of the deal when they're demonstrably not because the Russians are selling them stuff. You know, the heavy water for uranium deal. So we're, we're codifying the Iran deal. We got rid of nothing. We're getting nothing. The Republicans are sitting and doing nothing legislatively. I've never seen anything like this. The first hundred days of a presidency when you have Congress. And and by the way, you guys know this already. We put out a couple of podcasts and this couple of articles. Um, we'll speak about it more next week. But when they come back to town on Monday, guess what? The, the, the government funding bills is due at the end of the year. They already caved. They caved on the border wall. No, they're not funding it. But they are funding Planned Parenthood. They are funding Obama's amnesty. They are funding refugee resettlement. Democrats get everything they want. So we're, we're caught in this awkward position in which, on the one hand, we seem to be, oh, we get what we want. But on the other hand, we're getting nothing. And our base doesn't really know what to do with it. You know, every once in a while, especially over the weekend, when I just step out of my bubble of truth and just speak to neighbors, friends, people that agree with what you and I agree with intuitively, they're conservative, but they don't know, they don't follow this closely, professionally, even from an amateur level. They think they follow it. <laughs> and, you know, especially after services over the weekend, everyone wants to come up to me. Oh, Daniel, what's going on? And this, tell me. And I tell them, look, it's not good. We got President Kushner running everything. Um, the triumph of Hillary Clinton. Kushner is literally running everything. By the way, how how in the world does that guy have the time? And then to go on vacations to Canada and skiing in Aspen and still be in every single meeting, national security issues, domestic policy issues. He's even, he, by the way, he's now chairing a working group on criminal justice reform. If that's not a betrayal, I don't know what is. As I told you guys before, if there was one issue I would have told you Trump would have never sold us out on, it would have been you know law and order. So much for that. I mean, here's where we are. We're getting all of the vices of having control, but none of the virtues. And that's the night- nightmare scenario. Because, you know, what's kept us alive when we had all these outrages the last eight years is that we had the anti, kind of the anti-energy, the anti-Obama energy. But keep in mind, Obama had pro-Obama energy. He was reelected to a second term, despite the midterm election losses, um, he he did have enough where he jazzed up his base. We're not getting that, but we do. We basically have a base that's just like so. So anyway, I sorry I didn't complete the thought there. So when I talk to people, um, they're like, "Well, Daniel, the, the first thing out of everyone's mouth." And I don't know if you guys hear hear this. Let me know. Tweet me at RM Conservative if you hear the same thing when you talk to people that broadly agree with you, Republicans, but they don't maybe know as much or follow it as much. And they're not aware of all the personnel problems, all the policy problems in the White House. And like, well, it's better if, than it would have been if Hillary would have won, or it's better than Obama. Uh, okay, really? You're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Again, that's the new baseline. Everything is we, we keep everything Obama did. Not only do we not go back to Bush, Reagan, you know, go back to what it really meant to be a conservative. We're happy with the Obama-era baseline of policy, whether it be it foreign policy, be it domestic policy. And we're happy with it. 
We just say, hey, there's a couple of nuances that he d- does a little better. Well, uh, it's better it's not Hillary. So our our base is kind of sucking on a on a on a pacifier that they're not rebelling yet because, well, it's better than Hillary. But they're certainly not jazz. We're not getting anything. The left is jazzed as if we are fulfilling all this right wing stuff, but we're not. Boom. Nightmare scenario there. And by the way, you know, to many of you in the audience, none of this is new. I mean, we we warned about this, even though I certainly didn't want this to come true. Uh, and in the last couple of months, we've been trying to work to to see what we could do to make this administration work. And guess we'll still try to do that. But, um, you know, I want to hark back. I don't do this too often, but to something I wrote during the primary. This was during the Wisconsin primary, March 30th of last year a little bit more than a year ago um and it it was actually a year ago today i believe when trump officially clinched the nomination and and you know cruz uh exited the race in indiana and there was a pretty uh pretty epic two-minute rant from cruz back then and it's kind of prophetic but um you know i i was i'm just gonna read you this article i was commenting on trump's comments during a town hall and i'm I'm just gonna read it to you i mean this is this is what we're seeing now this campaign season has come full circle the closing argument of the gop frontrunner the man who has garnered so much attention so much support under the guise of being the anti-establishment candidate has now exhibited the palest of pale pastel characteristics of the very establishment the voters hate One of the more insightful questions asked at last night's town hall in Milwaukee was directed at Trump by a man who wanted to know the top three functions of government. Trump initially answered security, 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 but then struggled to name any other core functions. He then settled on health care and education. This is a man for president who, if he secures the GOP nomination, will debate Hillary Clinton in the fall over the fundamental role of government. It appears there won't be much of a debate. Now, let me just interject. Truth is, Trump did actually debate pretty vigorously in at least one of the general election debates, and he did broadly run on our views. So I don't want to, you know, excuse it saying, oh, well, he ran as a liberal all along. No, he really didn't. But to those of us who kind of followed this stuff very closely, the fine print, you were able to see it coming. Um, but I continue speaking like a typical establishment Republican who is diffident in his own views to correctly define the role of government and how it helps the average person. Trump continued to defend federally controlled health care. When Anderson Cooper asked, quote, so in terms of federal government role, you're saying security, but you also say health care and education should be provided by federal, federal government. Trump, quote, well, those are two, two of the things. Yeah, sure. I mean, there are obviously many things, housing, providing great neighborhoods. And then, for, so for good measure, he tossed in housing, free housing, great neighborhoods. Yep, Bernie Sanders all the way. This is me talking here. Then when CNN host Anderson Cooper questioned him further about his support for these traditional Democrat views, he explained that, of course, states should control education. Um, you know, I wanted to go to the state. But then when Cooper followed up again, so that's not part of what the federal government's role is. Trump said, no, the federal government. But the concept of the country is the concept that we have to have education within the country and we have to get rid of common core and it should be brought to the state level. Well, OK. So, again, he threw out a little bit for something for everyone. What about health care? The government can lead it, but it should be privately done. It should be privately done so that health care, in my opinion, we should probably have we have to have private health care. We don't have competition in healthcare. The problem that we have in the country is we don't have competition. It's made because the politicians, by the way, I'm self-funding. I am self-funding. 
the healthcare companies aren't taking care of me, but they're taking care of everyone else. Okay, so he believes healthcare should be led by the federal government, but done by the private sector, sector but hates Obamacare. Uh, Obamacare is exactly that, led by the federal, federal government, but still officially done by private companies. Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> this, this is what the guy said. And he was all over the place, all over the place on key issues. And, um, you know, you know I, I could continue, but I want to just end with this paragraph from, from, from this article. Anyone looking to this man for a nominee with a morsel of conservatism or authentic anti-establishment direction has sadly landed on a charlatan who embodies the epitome of what is wrong with tepid republicanism. Strip away the gratuitous boorishness, and when it comes to real issues... There is nothing but political correctness, uncertainty, and vacillation. Thus, we are left with all the vices of a non-politically correct candidate and none of the virtues. And that's where we are. That's why none of this surprises me. Vacillation, uncertainty, appointing Democrats, having Jared Kushner run everything, run everything into the ground. This is this awkward position, the nightmare scenario where you, when you're caught in the perception that you're doing right wing stuff, but you're not really doing it. You're not. People aren't seeing the policy benefits. Your base isn't energized. Their base is energized against you. And we're left with nothing. Now, I want to follow up on this thought process with a couple of specific examples you know, going on. Foreign policy is one of them. You know, I, I always and I, I was the first to warn about this, that Tillerson was an utter disaster, just a pure empty suit. Um, but he's not even the worst player. You know, He'll just go along with whatever the administration is doing. The important thing is, where is the White House? In other words, if the White House were in a good place on foreign policy, they could theoretically strong arm the State Department, even all the Obama appointees, the new Obama appointees that they appointed to doing the right thing. But that's controlled by the N- by the NSC. Right, National Security Council. That that's that's the the White House. That is the point for the White House on foreign policy. That's run by H.R. McMaster. McMaster is an utter disaster. That's why KT McFarland left as deputy. All the Flynn people are leaving, um, and obviously Flynn had his problems. But ideologically, um, his people were good. They wanted to go after the Muslim Brotherhood. They wanted to go after Iran. That's all being overturned now. Ben Rhodes' people, by the way, are still there. They're running, sh- they're running the show. So McMaster, th- think about this. McMaster wants 150,000 troops on the ground in Syria to do, I don't know what, to defeat Assad, but somehow defeat ISIS and every other Islamist and everyone else. So you want to get ourselves into another Iraq to get out Assad, but then... You don't want to use soft power to go after the head of the snake of Assad, which is Iran. That really matters. (laughs) You don't want to go after Turkey either, which is the head of the Sunni snake, but won't go after Iran. And he's pushing to he he was the one who pushed to codify the Iran deal. I happen to know that Sessions opposed it. um, And for all of Mattis's problems, and there are many, and he's horrible on many issues. He's a Democrat on many issues. But he's been inconsistent on Iran. That's one issue he's good on. Um, even Kelly was was in the right place. Tillerson, like I said, is kind of a balloon in the wind here. McMaster is the problem there. So again, you know, we have this perception that he's changing business as usual. But this is really Obama, what Obama's policy was. 
to kind of go after Assad in a haphazard way, but then kiss up Tyran, you know, fight for Iran and Iraq, but somehow against them in Syria. This just muddled foreign policy. And then you have Obamacare, where Trump is maniacally obsessing about getting health care done. Not, not repealing Obamacare, getting health care done, whatever that means. So he can move on to tax reform, which will be a net tax increase. And I'm going to have a lot more on that as time goes on. I'm going to have a very philosophical piece on why we shouldn't even touch this issue now. It's just it's not the issue to go after and no good will come out of it. Nothing that 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 we will want. I've spoken about it on a previous podcast. But, uh, you know, it's one thing after another. And Gary Cohn is him and, and Jared Kushner are basically running the White House. He's writing this tax plan. So, you know, we say, oh, my gosh, the Iran deal is the worst thing ever. Right? Remember, Trump spoke at the rally with Ted Cruz, the rally against the Iran deal. Um, feisty as ever. How do we even let this happen for one day? Well, we get in there. Not only do we let it happen for one day, we codify it. How do we let Obama illegally violate national sovereignty and grant Social Security cards to people that pursuant to law have to be deported? Well, I, I, um, I'm, by the way, I'm still trying to research this how many every day, but I know that his own DHS is handing out DACA cards. And DACA is not a law. It's an illegal executive action. Meanwhile, his own executive action on immigration was, you know, nullified by the courts and he doesn't fight back against it or fight back in the budget bill. That's not even part of budget negotiations. How could we even let that stand for one day yet he's codifying it? The third thing is the Obamacare subsidies. And this is a perfect example of being in this muddled, mixed area where you don't have any definitive ground. You kind of show the people you're against Obamacare, but not in a way that they could see any benefit from it, and you're just all diffident about it, all uncertain about it, and you look hypocritical. One of the most unconstitutional things Obama did was these cost-sharing subsidies. So not to be mixed up with the general Obamacare subsidies where they just basically, you know, the regs jack up the price of premiums to $50,000 or something, and then they just subsidize it for anyone making under eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 a year, or any family earning under that threshold in most states. Most most uh, demographics. The, the these subsidies are to defray even the cost of the deductibles and the copayment <laughs> because there's so much, and everything has to be subsidized. Except there's one problem. No money was appropriated for that in Obamacare. Obama literally appropriated his own funds for that, and it was so bad that this was one of the few court victories we ever got. Um. This was, by the way, when we still had one Republican appointee on the D.C. District, Federal District Court for District, District of Columbia. Now, now Democrats have an 11 to 0 majority on that court. So this was the one victory we won. She said it was totally unconstitutional. So it was a no-brainer that once Republicans would win the White House, they'd immediately suspend those subsidies. And certainly um, they would, you know, because the Obama administration, his Justice Department was appealing the decision to the um, circuit court. So certainly that a Republican administration wouldn't would drop the appeal. But no, they haven't decided yet whether they want to drop it because they're continuing the subsidies. They're currently continuing them. They're deciding deciding whether to permanently continue them. And guess what? Who is advocating that they continue? Gary Cohn, Jared Kushner, and noted healthcare policy expert Ivanka 
Kushner, Trump, whatever she goes by. So there, there you have it. And, and you know, Steve Bannon wanted to, according to news reports, wanted to end it, of course. So he, here's what I mean by a muddled mi- mixture. They're saying, well, Daniel, what are we going to do? I mean, if we don't have the subsidies, then insurance rates will skyrocket. We'll get blamed for it. It will be a disaster. But then again, if we do it, then we're helping prop up Obamacare. Oh, and it's also illegal, too. There's actually a third option. You repeal the stinking law. You repeal the problem. Instead of trying to treat the symptom, you cut out the cancer. The impetus for driving up costs. So you don't need illegal or legal subsidies. But instead, you know, Republicans are talking about codifying into the budget bill. Again, not putting in conservative riders into a budget bill when we control all three branches of government, by the way, but codifying liberal riders into it. This is what happens when you're standing in lukewarm hell and you're kind of publicly that you're giving off the public perception that you oppose this stuff. But, well, you don't really oppose it. Kind of in an awkward position. Getting all of the policy vices, but none of the virtues, none of the advantages, none of the benefits. We're going to see this until conservatives break free of this. And, and 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 that's the thing, you know, I'm on a lot of email lists where people are like, well, we need to go after this guy in the administration and 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 make make sure Mr. Trump is served well. You have to go directly after Mr. Trump. And, and I'm glad to see even Breitbart is doing that now. So certainly others should do that. Directly say you are violating every darn thing you ran against. Your presidency is an utter disaster if you don't change courses. So that's the thing. We, you know, you know, we have to go directly after after Trump. You know, I don't know. I know many people have gotten in this mode since he won the election. Oh, Mr. Trump. I mean, forgetting everything we knew to be true about him and it's been proven true. Go directly after him. Number two, we have to take control in the primaries. You know, I'm gonna have a piece out today about my buddy Jaron Jackson. I know I had him on our podcast, Conservative Conscious, last year running against Mark Wayne Mullen, another leadership hack in Oklahoma. He's, he's running, running again against him. We possibly have Judge Roy Moore running for Senate in Alabama. Keep in mind, we went backwards there with, with, Jeff, with Jeff Sessions leaving. We got this Luther Strange guy, Chamber of Commerce hack, the attorney general from Alabama. He's filling the seat, but I believe he's going to stand for election, the special election in August. So Roy Moore might run. Our buddy Chris McDaniel might run against uh, Roger Wicker in Mississippi. This is a time for conservatives to break free from this false dichotomy between Democrat versus establishment Republican versus Trump, which on most issues is fundamentally the same darn thing. When you cut through the grease, you cut through all the acrimony over personalities and statements and hatred as an ends to itself. Without any principle behind it, that's what it is. This is a way for us to run our guys. And again, eventually we do need a third party or at least to switch to conventions and, and, and instead of primaries. We're going to talk about a lot more of this. And we're going to talk about a lot more of these specific battles next week when Congress is back. But for now, if you want to cut through the platitudes, you got to sign up for CRTV. That's the only way to see me now on Steve Dace now that he's been off terrestrial radio and he's basically has his radio show through our TV. 
So it's 99 bucks a year. You're never going to get as much truthful content. Levin, uh, Malkin, Steven Crowder, we're going to add some more shows this year. And also help our sponsors, Patriot Supply, Patriot Depot. Go to preparewithcr.com. Preparewithcr.com. Get your 140 ready-made meals to have in your house for just 99 bucks. They're with you whenever the kids get hungry, if there's a natural disaster, if uh, this country goes to hell. (laughs) Plenty of stuff there for you guys. We're out of time. Thanks, as always, for listening, and God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. 